0: Okay, so we've looked at, yes, Bunny? I just wondered, is it possible for it to be warmer in here? It actually is warmer. He turned off two of the ACs an hour ago, and the other one is up to 73. So I already feel the difference. And if you don't yet, you should be able to, yeah. Yeah, well, we we have a good backup team that did that for us. (laughs) The vacuum cleaner people. So Jesus said, when you make disciples of all the nations, you are to baptize them in the person, the nature, the character of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's part of the Godhead, so he is God. People say is the Holy what does your church believe about the Holy Spirit? Well, we believe he's God. <laughs> we want him. We want every part of him, just like we do Jesus and the Father. He's the spirit of truth. He leads us into all truth. He reminds us of what Jesus has told us. He enlightens our spiritual eyes. He helps us understand the Word of God. He convicts us of sin and righteousness. He helps us obey Jesus' commands. He prays for us and through us. He comforts us, counsels us. Man, the Holy Spirit is wonderful. Isn't it amazing? that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the living God, of the Holy Spirit, and that He indwells you? You know, most of us, when we prayed the sinner's prayer, we asked Jesus to come into our heart, to come into our life. Technically, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. We read that earlier in Hebrews 1, verse 3. It's the Holy Spirit who comes in when we're born again. He takes up residence in our life. His spirit is united with our spirit and our spirit comes alive. Before that, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But we're born again. The spirit moves in. And so it's really he that we talk with throughout the day that we have this ongoing communication with. Let's turn to John chapter 4. I'm recording. Yes, thank you. John 4. Anyone who hears these later is going to say, why did y'all say every time, yes, I'm recorded'?" (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll keep it our joke, okay? (laughs) Private joke. John 4, 14. Jesus had been talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan. And we're just jumping in in the conversation here. He says, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, this is a good definition of salvation. We drink of this water, it becomes within us a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. Now, let's go to John 7. John 7, we're going to read verses 37 and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart or his inner being will flow rivers of living water." You know what feast this was? This was the feast of Shavuot, and tonight begins the feast of Shavuot. We call it the feast of Pentecost. 50 days after the Passover, we are now entering um, Pentecost. And so it's so good to talk about the Holy Spirit today because that's when the Holy Spirit was given, was released upon the disciples. So look at the contrast here. In John 4, he says, it will become a fountain. The living water will be a fountain in you springing up to everlasting life. But then in verse 37, 38 of John 7, he says it will become a river that flows through you. So this fountain of living water becomes a river that overflows its banks and impacts everybody around us. So there's a difference here. Jesus wasn't talking about the same thing. He's talking about salvation with the fountain of living wa- the fountain of water, and he was talking about the release of the spirit, the empowering of the spirit, with um, the river of living water that would flow through us. It goes on to say in verse 39, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit until after he was glorified, went back to the Father. Now let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24. And I'll just um, tell you some of what's happened. In the, la- the last chapter of all four of the Gospels, we are told the Lord's final words. In Matthew 28, He says, go and make disciples of all the nations. In Mark 16, 15, He said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24, He says, repentance or remission of sins shall be preached in my name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then in John 21, he says, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my lambs. Both of these, that, that we see discipleship twice, and we see evangelism twice. Discipleship in Matthew, and in John, and um, I'm sorry, my brain's getting tired. And evangelism in Mark, preaching the gospel, and in Luke, preaching repentance and remission of sins to all the nations. So... We're just going to look at this passage in Luke 24. So just think, he's he's giving final words here. He had been walking with the two guys in Emmaus, and in verse 45, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He had just said in the previous verse, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. He's talking about being the Messiah. Then in verse 46, he says to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he had told them, go preach the gospel, go make disciples, but wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high until you receive the promise of the Father. That's the phrase he uses in verse 49. The promise of my Father upon you. The word endued means to be clothed. So Jesus was saying, preach repentance and remission of sins, but wait until you are clothed with power. Don't try to do it of your own. Don't go in your own strength. Don't go in your own wisdom. Wait until you get the power. I'm sure they didn't know what he was talking about at that point. Let's go to Acts 1 now. Acts 1, you know, the same author for the book of Luke and the book of Acts was the same person, was Luke. And so we kind of pick it up, says similar things here. Verse four, it says, being assembled together with them, these are the disciples, he commanded them, commanded not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what he's referring to, the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he says in verse eight. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word power is the word dunamis in Greek. It means dynamite, explosive, healing power. But it also means dynamo, sustaining power, going through a trial and being sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive this power. It's, it's, it's important to see the pronoun. So I'm going to be emphasizing the pronoun. He said, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Be endued with power. Power will come upon you. Uh, and the, the promise of the Father was not really another blessing for them, although it was a blessing for them. But more than that, it was a baptism of service for the benefit of others. And that's still true today. The promise of the Father, the baptism of the Spirit, is mainly to be a baptism of service. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts so that we can serve the body of Christ and serve other people. It's for the benefit of others. Now let's go to Acts 2. We'll start in verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that's today, beginning tonight. Lunar calendar is what the Jewish nation used, A Hebrew calendar begins tonight on their calendar. The day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. We know there were 120 of them. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Goes on to say, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why were all these Jews there? Because they had come for the feast of Shevuot. There are three feasts, three biblical feasts of the Lord that the Jewish men, especially, sometimes families, would come up to Jerusalem. They were commanded to do that in the Old Covenant. Shavuot is one of them, the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost as we call it now. So there were men from every nation there. They heard all this noise, verse 6, noise of the rushing mighty wind, noise of all the uh, 120 speaking in languages they didn't know. They came running together because it says they heard them speak in their own language. They were not speaking gibberish. They weren't making something up. They were speaking real languages, languages that they did not know. They were unknown tongues to them, but they were languages known in the earth. And they said in verse 8, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we are born? And then it starts naming them all. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and yeah, it just goes on and on. Visitors from Rome, even both Jews and proselytes, those were people that had converted to Judaism. And it says in verse 11, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now I've heard people say, yeah, when people speak in tongues, it's just gibberish and it doesn't mean anything. And how do you know if it's really God or not? Well, they knew. They were speaking the wonderful works of God. God was being glorified as they spoke in these other languages. So why was the Holy Spirit poured out on Jesus' disciples? To empower them to be Jesus' witnesses. We saw that in verse 8, chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In uh, chapter 2, Verse 3 says there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each one of them. Back to verse 8, chapter 1. You will be witnesses to me in Waco and in McLennan County and in all of Texas and all of America and to the ends of the earth. Both the public ministry of Jesus and the public ministry of the early church The disciples began with a life-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Both the public ministry of Jesus and the public ministry of the early church began with a life-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus, when he was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and that's when he entered into ministry. Before that, he was home taking care of the kids and taking care of his mother. After that, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting, praying, seeking God, and then he emerged into ministry in the power of the Spirit. That's how it's worded. He came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he began to preach, teach, heal, cast out demons, and he had a power-filled ministry for the next three and a half years until he died for our sins. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, we're going to read verses 18 and 19. Let's look at verse 14. That's the verse I just mentioned. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. He taught in their synagogues. He came into Nazareth. And then he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. He stood up to read verse 17. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the the Lord is upon me. There's the preposition again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. We're going to look at anointing for a minute, but I want to carry on to read the rest of this. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, it's wonderful to preach the gospel. But unfortunately, sometimes we stop right there. All we do is preach the gospel. We help people get saved, and then we don't usually go further than that. But He went further than that. He said, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus can heal the wounds in our souls. He can heal the broken places in our hearts. He can heal the broken places in our minds. He has sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. See, there's freedom from the enemy. We don't have to stay oppressed. Recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or downtrodden, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now let's go back to the first phrase. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Did Jesus heal and do miracles because He was divine? He was God. Is that the power that He used to do miracles? No, because Philippians 2 clearly says, that He laid down all of His divine rights. He laid all that down and He came in the likeness of a man. And He humbled Himself and lived as a man. And then He he, uh, was obedient even to the point of death. So everything Jesus did on earth, He did as a man that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now that's a relief to us because otherwise we think, How can we ever do anything that Jesus did because we're not God? Well, it's because the the Holy Spirit can come upon us too. He's already within us. He can come upon us in power and we can do the same things Jesus did. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts 10. This is when Peter was speaking to the house of Cornelius. And he says in verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who, who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So to do good, to heal people of demonic oppression, we too need to be anointed and empowered with the holy spirit so the word anoint in greek it means to rub or to smear thoroughly in hebrew it means to pour it's not just a little dab on the forehead now that's what we tend to do when we pray for people we just kind of put a little mark on their forehead touch them or do a little cross or do a little circle maybe if you've gone up to prayer for an elder he will touch you with a little bit of oil on your forehead that's the common thing to do in churches today. But Exodus 29, verse 7, speaking of the anointing of Aaron as the priest, God said to Moses, you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. First Samuel 10:1, when the prophet Samuel anointed David to be the next king, it says David took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? In Matthew 26, verse 7, the woman brought the alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant oil. He, she poured it on Jesus' head as he sat at the table. Many theologians believe because of the price of the oil that it was about a 16-ounce flask fragrant oil this is 16 ounces so this is what she poured on Jesus's head this is what Moses poured on Aaron's head and this is what um, likely this size is what Samuel poured on David so would it be okay with you if Jesus didn't just give you a dab of the Holy Spirit on your forehead but instead, he thoroughly rubbed and smeared and poured the Holy Spirit all over you. Would you rather have that? The power of the spirit in Jesus' life authorized him to preach the gospel and to demonstrate the kingdom by healing the sick casting out demons, and raising the dead. The same power was given to the disciples in Acts chapter 2 that we just read. Jesus is the prototype of the Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered life. The book of Acts tells of the disciples receiving what Jesus had in order to do what He did. Let me say that again. The book of Acts tells of the disciples receiving what Jesus had, the power of the Spirit, in order to do what He did. The Bible describes this experience in a few terms. In Acts 2 and Acts 9, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, it says they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 10 says the Holy Spirit fell on them and was poured out on them. That's the one I want. And in Acts 19, it says the Holy Spirit came upon them. In three of these five instances, it says they spoke in tongues. One time they prophesied and spoke in tongues. So do people speak in tongues today? So it's not dead? It didn't go out with the apostles? Actually, millions of believers around the world today speak in tongues. All of the gifts of the Spirit are still for today. And we're not just saying this. Pastor John Durham says this too, this is Highland Stance, all the gifts of the Spirit are still for today. Praying in tongues is a powerful prayer tool. It strengthens us within. It tunes our spirit with the Spirit of God so that our prayers are synchronized with His. It helps us move into the other gifts of the Spirit more easily. When we pray in the Spirit, we are praying the heart and the will of God and it needs no interpretation. We don't really need to know what we're praying because we know we're praying according to the Spirit, which is by the heart and the mind of the Father. There is another gift of tongues that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, and this gift is called different kinds of tongues. And I want to talk about this because there's often confusion here. This gift is when God is giving a message to the church, like a group, like us, And it requires interpretation so that we can all be edified. We all want to know what God is saying to us. And there are guidelines for that and they're found in 1 Corinthians 14. But the difference between the prayer language of the Spirit, praying in unknown tongues just personally, and the gift of different kinds of tongues is directional. Who is initiating the communication and to whom is it directed? The prayer language of the Spirit Unknown tongues is from us to God. Doesn't need to be interpreted. We're just praying to him. We can sing in tongues and that's worship to him. We can uh, declare his, we can just declare his victory in tongues and that's all unto him. We initiate this gift. It does not need to be interpreted. The gift of different kinds of tongues is from God to us and it's to edify the church. It's initiated by God it is used in public gatherings and it must be interpreted so part of the confusion is people say well i can't speak in tongues in my own home because there's no one to interpret it's a different if it's a different line it's a different gift in your own home you can pray in tongues walking down the street you can pray in tongues you can pray in tongues you can sing in tongues as you as you are in your car but if you're in a meeting like this and you feel the Holy Spirit just coming upon you and bubbling up inside you, and you know He wants to use you in the gift of speaking out in tongues in a public setting, because God has a message to give to that group, then you want to be obedient, you want to speak that out, but it must be interpreted. And if someone else doesn't interpret, then you ask the Lord, give me the interpretation so that I can interpret. Because if it's not interpreted, that's when it's out of place. We want to do everything in divine order as the Lord set it up. If Jesus ministered by the power of the Holy Spirit, and if that power is available to us, and when we receive it, we can free people that are oppressed by the devil. Don't you think the devil would try to get us not to talk about the Holy Spirit? Don't you think he would try to keep us away from churches? that are open to the anointing of the Spirit or away from people that are open to the anointing of the Spirit. There's been some abuse of this in the past and so some people have come way to the other side and said, I don't want anything to do with that because I've seen the abuse. You know, everything that God releases into the church always goes to an abuse at some point. Discipleship did too. A few decades ago, discipleship became the shepherding movement where no one made a decision if their discipleship leader did not tell them what to do. That was an abuse. And by the time Reuben got to Jerusalem and even when I got there seven years later when I married him, we couldn't even use the term discipleship initially because they said, hey, we don't want any of that. That's shepherding movement. So we had to, talk, we had to use different phrases talking about it. It had gone into such abuse. Healing the lord released healing into the body then there was an abuse of that then he released gifts of gifts of the spirit there was an abuse of that people pull away from anything that's being abused the faith movement a few decades ago people strong in faith but sometimes their faith was out of order they were putting faith in certain things and not just in the lord not just in the word it became abused so then people pulled away from the faith movement and then they started camping out somewhere else what we want to do is camp out in the word of god okay so any gift god considers giving us why wouldn't we want it every good and perfect gift is from the father above so i i grew up where i saw abuses of these things too but it hasn't pushed me the other way i need the holy spirit i need the power of the holy spirit i like how or robert used to say I'm not better than anybody else because I speak in tongues. I need to speak in tongues because I am so needy. I need all the power of God that I can get. So uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us gifts for service, empowers us to service. it's not that we're getting more of Jesus. We got all of Jesus when we got born again. It's that Jesus is getting more of us. Because there's a greater surrender, there's a greater consecration, there's a greater desire to walk in holiness. There's a further dying to self so he can live through us in power. There, you know, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered the synoptic Gospels, and they have a whole lot in common, the synoptic, synoptic can't even say it now, anyway, those three Gospels. And then the Gospel of John is very different because John picked up on a lot of the conversations Jesus had in the first two years of his ministry that the other three didn't write much about. And so John's a lot different. And if you compare all the Gospels, there are certain things that are in all of them, but there are many things that are not in all of them. But these things are in all of them. The birth of Jesus is in all of them. His suffering, his death, and his resurrection, that's in all the Gospels. Another thing that's in all the Gospels is the baptism in the Spirit. Mark 3.11, John said, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark 1.8, John said, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16 I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In John 133, God told John, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So there again, the preposition, coming and remaining on him. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon someone briefly and then leave again he came upon king saul he came upon david he came upon gideon he came upon samson but he didn't remain there jesus was the first time that the holy spirit came upon and remained with him okay so in acts 2 i'm just going to kind of tell you retell you some stuff that you already know i'm sure i just want to put it in perspective In Acts 2, 1 through 4, we read of the disciples being empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 3, Peter and John were walking to the temple, and they saw a lame man. Remember, he said, uh, he puts out his hand, and Peter says, We don't have silver or gold, but what we do have, we'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabs his hand, pulls him up, his ankles receive strength, he jumps up. He's walking and leaping and praising God as he goes into the temple with Peter and John. So Peter starts preaching to everybody that Jesus is the Messiah. This one that y'all crucified, he is the Messiah. He is God's son. He starts preaching all that. Then they get arrested. They spend the night in jail. And the next day they're brought out to the you know, the leaders of the temple. And they forbid, they forbade, you know, it's kind of a word. Anyway, they forbade them not to ever speak in that name again. Don't ever preach in the name of Jesus again. And they said, okay, who are we going to obey? You For God Himself? And they, they still warned them, no preaching that name. The disciples left, went back to the other disciples, and they began to tell them what happened. And so I want us just to read a couple of verses here. If you'll go to Acts 4, verse 23 says, Being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. You know, basically, giving them the warning. And when they heard that, they all raised their voice to God with one accord. And said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And they went on to pray. They started repeating even the gospel. Verse 27, you sent your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They went on and says in verse 29, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So these were the same men that were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But here in Acts chapter 4, they're refilled with the Holy Spirit. So we, like today, in, like the early disciples, we want to preach the gospel boldly. We want to make disciples. We want to obey what the Lord's told us to do. And he says to us, like he said to them, don't try to do what I've called you to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait until you're endued with power from on high. God's Spirit lives within us. But He also wants to come upon us and anoint us with power. Being immersed in the Holy Spirit produces a permanent change in our lives. It's not a one-time event like water baptism. It's an ongoing experience that changes who we are. It says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek it says, be being filled with the Spirit. Stay filled with the Spirit. Be refilled with the Spirit. Make sure that there's an ongoing work of the Spirit within you. So I would say to you don't be afraid to ask Jesus to do for you what was done for him. If we pray, Jesus, would you dip me repeatedly? Would you submerge me? Would you rub me thoroughly? With the Holy Spirit and pour Him out upon me, everything will change. Everything will change in our lives. So what can you expect? I'm telling you this because we're going to pray pretty soon. What, what could you expect if something like this were to happen? Well, you might feel the Holy Spirit healing some inner wounds that you may or may not have known were even present We were praying with a group in South Africa. We are teaching at a Bible school there. And they gave us the afternoon to meet with those who just wanted to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And about 15 came. And so we shared with them, we taught, and then we began to pray. And they got on their knees and on their faces. And we just went around and gently laid hands and prayed on them. And we got to this one girl. She was um, what they would call of the colored the colored group of people and she began to cry and to wail and so we we didn't know what the lord was doing with her we just prayed over her a little bit and she wailed and then the lord began to show us just by the holy spirit to pray for healing of rejection healing of wounds in her heart and and the crying began to change and then it shifted into laughing with joy, throwing her head back and laughing with joy. And then she began to sing in tongues, had never spoken in tongues before. She just broke into song, singing in tongues with such joy, such abandon. And we found out later that she had one black parent, one white parent, and in South Africa, that's very much frowned upon. And so she was raised by her mother, but she never fit in. She didn't fit in with the whites. She didn't fit in with the blacks. And there is a colored community, but she wasn't living near the colored community. So she didn't fit in anywhere. And she had felt rejected, rejected all of her life and figured that all of her life she would stay rejected. But the Lord, as we began to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon her, he started healing the inner wounds. And she had no intention of crying. She didn't plan that. It was just bubbled up from within as the Holy Spirit touched her and was healing her. She met with me privately later. She said, I have never felt joy like I do now. The Lord did something in me I didn't even know was possible. I'm a whole new person. I'm going to be permanently changed after this. And that's the truth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power, you are permanently changed after that. So you you can expect that. But don't be afraid. Don't think, oh, no, now I'm going to burst into tears in front of everybody. I was prayed for when I was nine and um, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I felt absolutely nothing. No emotion. I didn't feel a thing. But uh, my father, who was praying for me with another lady in the church, it had had his hand on me and he was praying in tongues and um, I didn't hear anything. I thought I was going to think in tongues and that's not what happens because your mind isn't in gear, it's your heart, it's your spirit. The Holy Spirit is within you and He speaks through you. So you don't think. You don't speak out words, you're thinking. So anyway, no one had had really taught me that as a nine-year-old. I didn't know I had to use my mouth, my lips, my tongue. I thought the Holy Spirit would grab my mouth and He would speak, you know, and it'd be very forceful. And so nothing happened. So after a little bit, I started getting really embarrassed because they're busy praying and I'm just kneeling and nothing's happening, I don't feel anything. So I thought, well, I'll just mimic my father's prayer language, and they'll think I have it, and then we'll quit praying. And I'll talk with God about that later. So I did, I opened my mouth, and I began to try to say what he was saying. And as soon as I got my mouth open, I got my own prayer language. I just started praying in tongues. And I've been fluent in tongues ever since. I've used other tongues, and Reuben too, the Lord often will give you more than just one tongue have a different tongue when I go into heavy intercession and it's all by the Holy Spirit of God it's not anything we work up and it's not it's not a gift that you have to attain a certain amount of spirituality to get chill my sister was baptized in the spirit when she was five years old walking around the house speaking in tongues you know I've heard of two-year-olds that prophesy I wanted one of those (laughs) and then the Lord didn't give us kids I never got to have a little two-year-old following me around prophesying I was really looking forward to that. So, anyway, you may feel emotion because sometimes as the Holy Spirit comes on you, He touches your emotions, and you may not. You might feel washed in love. My mother felt waves and waves and waves of love. You might speak in tongues, you might prophesy, you might do neither. But I would say, ask the Lord to give you this valuable prayer language. If you don't receive today, don't stop asking. When have you ever prayed for healing and you didn't receive so you quit asking? We continue to ask for the gifts of God. We keep asking for healing. We keep asking for gifts of the Spirit. I keep, I'm, I'm always asking. I, yesterday I was praying, Lord, please release through me a gift of praying for people with mental illness. I want to see that gift released. I've seen so many people with mental problems. And, you know, we need that gift more so than we ever have. So pray for gifts. They're gifts of healing. It's not just physical healing. It's emotional healing and mental healing, all kinds of healing. So um, Acts 2.4 says, They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the Holy Spirit who gives the language. And it's we who speak it out with our mouth, with our lips. Psalm 92, verse 10 says, I have been anointed with fresh oil. That's what we need. We need to be anointed with fresh oil. And maybe a lot of y'all have been anointed by the Holy Spirit in the past. Maybe the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But man, I think we all need an anointing of fresh oil. I want that. And that could be all of our testimony. We've been anointed with fresh oil. So, um, what we thought we'd do is that we would all just pray together and we just all pray in our own hearts, Jesus, would you immerse me today in the Holy Spirit? Because he's the one that does that. All four of the Gospels say that. He is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. All confusion, all controversy is from the enemy. Resist that. The enemy does not want us anointed with the Holy Spirit, but we need this anointing and we need a fresh infilling. We need fresh oil. Ruben, did you want to say anything before we pray? Yeah.
1: thank you. Uh, I want to just read from um, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, and I was only reminded this while, uh, while Janet was sharing. But it says uh, in verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then it lists a word of wisdom through the Spirit, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith, the gift of faith, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit, To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. See, it's all going back to Holy Spirit, the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Right while Janet was sharing, I I, I went back to this verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. How many of you were here last night? Last night, Elvira Young, raise your hand, Elvira. Did you all see how she came in last night? She had a terrible sprain of her ankle the other day was in excruciating pain, had to go to an emergency care unit to be able to get pain pills because the pain. If you watched her hobble on the crutches last night, her foot didn't touch the ground. I just saw her walk over without crutches, without limping, without favoring. Is that a great miracle where this Red Sea is parted down the middle? No, but there was a manifestation of the Spirit. Last night, Elvira just asked someone at her table, we heard about gifts of healing, could we pray for that? Now, I didn't talk to her this morning or this afternoon to be able to find out when did she start feeling healthy, but all I know is that this morning at 9 o'clock, I saw her walk in without the crutches, and I went, wow! Mm -hmm. And a big smile on her face. These are little manifestations. That may not be a big miracle to us, but I'll tell you, it's big to her. It's real big to her. Having to have crutches. And God has a manifestation of his spirit that he wants to have to each one of us that is big to us. May not be big to each other. But God's doing a big and a great work in each of our lives. We're all called by God. We're all being drawn closer to him. And I think that while we pray, let's not have any hindrance. Now, I, I know that there's abuse and exposure. And like what Janet had said, everything where God wants to bring greater revelation and empowering to his people, the enemy has a way of pushing it to an extreme so that everybody rejects it within the body. They see the extreme. I don't, I don't want any of that. The Holy Spirit is not an extreme. He's a person. And there's something about Holy Spirit that God wants to have further release, just like the knowledge and the nature of the Son, the nature of the Father. God wants to be on the increase. I love John the Baptist in John 3. He said, this friend of the bridegroom loves to hear the bridegroom's voice. He's speaking of his second cousin. He loved to hear the voice of the bridegroom. And when I hear his voice, this joy of mine is made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. We don't have our emphasis on our decreasing. It's all on Lord be magnified in me. Increase. The knowledge of God, increase the knowledge of Holy Spirit, increase the knowledge of Jesus, increase the knowledge of Father, because knowing God is eternal life. Lord, we want more of your eternal life released to us and to flow out from us. So let's have a time of prayer. And have Janet lead us off.
0: important first off that we make sure that there's no one that we have not forgiven because the Lord always wants a clean vessel so if there's anyone that you immediately think well I haven't forgiven that person you need to pray and forgive that person so we thought we'd just do this pretty simply if you would like to get in a posture of humility that's always a good way to receive anything from the Lord uh, that might be kneeling for some of you. Others of you might not be able to kneel for knee reasons. Um, if you want to, some people just get on their face before the Lord. It's up to you how, however, you want to receive. I suggest that you put your hands up in a receiving mode, and let's just tell the, let's just tell this to Jesus. So I'm just gonna. We're going to all pray our own prayers. I'm just going to pray this, and you can pray something similar to this if you want. Jesus, would you immerse me today with the Holy Spirit? I want to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. I need fresh oil. I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Please immerse me. Empower me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said that out of our innermost being, out of our belly would flow rivers of living water when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And so, Lord, I pray that for each one of us. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us in power? Would you anoint us? Jesus, anoint us with your Holy Spirit. And may there be a breakthrough in us that that fountain of living water overflows its banks and becomes a river of living water that it's not just us that are blessed by the holy spirit but it's everyone around us Um, a baptism of service for others lord that's what we wanted that's what we want to do we want to be available to you we want to be like the first disciples receiving what jesus received in order to do what he did being empowered by the holy spirit so just pray your own prayers between you and the Lord. A few of us are going to walk around and just gently lay hands on you and pray because that often happened in the book of Acts. They would often lay hands on people as they received the power of the Spirit. And so we want to do that. We're not going to belabor it. We're not going to make anyone feel uncomfortable. We'll just walk around and gently lay hands and pray over you. But this is really between you and God.
1: Just uh, stand in a place of of humility and And asking forgiveness. Uh, Some of you have been hurt uh, or wounded. Uh, I had a couple of friends that almost looked to force Holy Spirit on people. That's never, that's never the God way. If you've been pushed or shoved or in some way to that, I've even heard crazy things that if if you don't if you're not baptized in the spirit of you don't speak in tongues you're not even saved there's just been so much abuse and if you've been hurt or wounded by seeing or hearing or someone in any type of wrong manner i pray you'd forgive uh, my brothers and sisters that just did not know did not was not sensitive And Lord, I pray that every wound that has happened by seeing extreme or being pushed by extreme words or extreme measures or extreme manifestations, things that weren't understood, weren't explained, Lord, I pray that there'd be a forgiveness of that, a healing of those wounds so that we could all be in a a much more open and transparent place, To allow you to come and fill us right now, Lord.
0: ...today about our, our Heavenly Father that's adopted us. Lord, would you give a revelation of your fatherly love to everyone in here. And anyone who's carrying father wounds or even mother wounds, Lord, would you touch and heal those wounds? Would you cause new life where there's been death and where there's been brokenness and disappointment, abuse of the past? Lord, would you breathe your holy breath over each of us and breathe new life and healing and restoration of the heart? Lord, would you heal broken hearts? And Lord, I pray in being baptized into the nature of the Son, Lord, would you align us with the lifestyle of your own Son, that we would be people of the Word, people of prayer, people of compassion, people that reach out to others, that take time for the broken and the needy around us. Lord, would you align us so that we walk and talk and live like Jesus. And Lord, would you baptize us all with your Holy Spirit and fire. Lord, burn out everything in us that is not of you and set ablaze everything that is. May we we be on fire for the things of God. May we be fervent and passionate after you and your will and your kingdom. Lord, burn out all dross. Burn out all compromise. All complacency, all laziness, and Lord, set us aflame with what lasts for eternity. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray fresh revelation for each one of us on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every time we open the Word, would you receive more, would you reveal more to us about each member of the Godhead? Would you baptize us in love for the Father, and baptize us in love for Jesus, and baptize us in love for the Holy Spirit? Lord, forgive us when we've pushed aside any member of the Godhead. Today, we welcome you all. We want the full spectrum of the Trinity, the Godhead. We receive your love, Father. We receive your grace, Jesus. We receive your power, Holy Spirit. We need it all. And so I pray again that Psalm 92, verse 10, anoint us with fresh oil. The old oil was good. It was effective. But now we need fresh oil. Would you anoint us in a fresh way? In Jesus' name.
1: it's a great truth that we can fully cleave to uh, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth and his eyes have paused here in Waco, Texas uh, yesterday and today and I love how it says he's looking to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his 2 Chronicles 16.9 what a great scripture know that his eyes are upon you it's not just the eyes of Texas are upon you it's the eyes of the Holy One of Israel are upon each one of you whose hearts are completely his know that the Lord is supporting you the Lord is with you the Lord is upon you and he will accomplish all His work concerning you. He's begun a great work in you. Not just a good work. He's begun a great work. And he's faithful to bring it to a place of completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here for these hours together. It was so good to be together. So good to have him in our midst and Helping us become more aware of his
2: presence.
1: Any last words, Janet?
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you everyone for bringing the food. Reuben last night said this is the best meal I've had in a long time. (laughs) So uh, if you have dishes here, there may be some in there somewhere. Please take them with you. Um, Next week, we'll meet again on Friday, 6 o'clock. We're gonna reverse it, we're gonna eat together again. This time A through M will bring the main dish and N through Z will bring a dessert, a salad, a bread, something like that. And if you don't wanna do any of that, you'd rather bring some kind of snack or cookies or something that we'll eat kind of throughout the day, you can do that too. Okay, so may the Lord bless you and keep you and Carl, did you wanna say something? Just yeah. one thing about food, there will be, here in a second, there will be leftovers, All everything that was left yesterday will be brought out, um, and then some leftovers from today will also be available. Thank you. you. for the raw suit? Yeah. <laughs> thank
1: you. Go in peace. <laughs> Shabbat shalom.
0: This is the kind of thing we love to do best, so thank you. Thank you, We are Thank you so much for all that you
1: did. You know, one of the